Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straup. It is Thursday, February 25th when we're sitting down to record this, and today we'll be looking at the latest news surrounding Russell Wilson. Plus, after a very long NFL season, we're going to be looking at things, both football-related and otherwise, that we need a break from. I'm joined by John Daigle, Danny Carter, and Pat Doherty, who has just returned from the longest move in recorded history. Pat, most people move in about a day or two, you chose to do it over the course of about 17 days. Take us through the thinking there. How, how are things? Well, you know, moving in February, bit of a gamble. And uh, it was a gamble that we lost, Matt, John, and Denny. Um, because I don't know if you've heard of the Polar Vortex. Uh, the same system that was uh, wreaking havoc down in Texas uh, was also over the state of Missouri. But, it, you know, it doesn't make news because uh, we like are unfortunately very used to this weather here. And uh, have the infrastructure for it and so like we're just supposed to like take it in stride and you usually can except for when you're trying to move and it's literally zero degrees and snowing every day and it had not snowed all winter uh whatsoever here and then quite literally the week of my move it began to snow every day after having previously not snowed um so i that's if we're gonna talk about what we're sick of later i am definitely sick of the process of moving um, a shout out to the movers they were amazing they are the real mvp and by the way i wasn't trying to like mock the people of texas there i was just saying like this happens every winter in missouri so we're used to it but i am not used to it uh when moving i can attest i know the weather in chicago uh i was clearly aware of the texas of the weather that was happening in texas and missouri as well i believe it happened across the entire midwest where at some point it reached below five degrees everywhere. Uh, oddly enough, now midweek it's been eighty-two degrees in Texas. Yes. I got a sunburn from golf somehow. So yeah, it's clearly flipped the other way around now. But yes, I can attest the the weather has been miserable last week everywhere. And Pat just happened to move during the midst like the chaos of it all. This is like one of those weather systems that will have like its own Wikipedia. Yeah. Like February 2021 polar vortex. And it encompassed like the entire center swath of the country. My wife's grandmother lives in McAllen, Texas, and which is down at the very tip of the continental United States. And it was in the 30s. It got below, I think it got below freezing, uh, which happens there like once every 20 years. So uh, while the weather decided to make history, it decided to do it while I was moving. And that was cool. Pat, I uh, listen, if I were you, 
I would have simply moved to Florida and you would have not had to deal with any of this. Uh, and But that was your choice and, and to have to deal with the polar vortex that obviously hates Midwestern values. And that's unfortunate. It does, it does not. It doesn't like humility. No. doesn't like hard work. doesn't like the word ope, which I do use all the time. Um, ope? Yeah. What is that? Ope. It's the great Midwestern word. Ope. Ope. Um, it's just like a fuller word. And yeah, the polar vortex was discriminating, discriminating against Midwesterners, or really, honestly, discriminating against the entire central time zone, yeah, which is right. former Roto-Worlder, NBC Sports Edger, Raymond Summerlin knows, is the best time zone in existence. The Sports Edger, is that what we're calling we are. We're the we're edgies. Not, the we're, edgies. Not, we're not calling ourselves. <laughs> we're the edges. <laughs> we're not edges. Man. Oh, man. Hey. Okay. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Before we get into a little talk about Russell Wilson, Danny, NBC Sports Edge, Edger, Ed, sent a link, like a Twitter post with you tagged, like, in a giant picture, a picture of a giant Arby's sandwich, like... <laughs> Eight different kinds of meat and like a fried chicken breast. And someone was saying like two days till Denny Carter gets to try this. Do you know anything about this? Do you know what's going on here? I do. I, I'm familiar with what that, that post is talking about. Um, I quickly lost uh, a, a challenge that I, for some reason, brought on myself on a Friday night. I believe it was Saturday night. Who who, who really knows? I, I said, if, if this tweet, because someone said how much uh, to eat this, Arby's monstrosity, this this fifteen layer meat thing, and I said if I get four hundred twenty retweets, I'll do it. And it happened, guys. It happened in one hour, and this is why I didn't expect the biggest accounts on fantasy Twitter to team up against me. And but that's what happened. That's what happened. Okay, Pat, I know you retweeted it after the fact. After the fact, which is just monstrous. I know Sigmund Bloom retweeted it. You know, which I I thought we were friends. I guess not. You know, so. It's uh, so I have to eat that now. I'm going to eat it a Friday night on a, on a live stream. I'm I am going to raise money for a good cause. I just want to say that when people watch. But Danny, I, I got to say, I you said I retweeted it after the fact. It actually wasn't after the fact because I am of the mind, part of the movement, that if it gets 840 retweets, you oh. should eat too. Oh, um, no. So I'm going to retweet it right now. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right, so. According to Adam Schefter, Russell Wilson's agent says he has not requested a trade out of Seattle. But according to the same agent, Russ would waive his no trade clause for the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, or Bears, which kind of sounds like requesting a trade. Daigle, at what point does this 
rise beyond rumor for you and you start to think something may actually go down here? It clearly shows that there's frustration from Russell Wilson towards the Seahawks, perhaps not the other way around. But the story at The Athletic was really interesting, if only because it not only mentioned a the Thursday night game against the Falcons, I believe, in which Russell apparently called an offensive meeting and stormed out frustrated mm-hmm. because it seemed like none of the coaches were listening to his demands. But also the fact that afterwards, towards the end of the story, it mentions that he feels like uh, Pete Carroll is only applying accountability and competitiveness towards particular areas of the team and not himself and the coaching staff and those close to him, for instance, like he's playing favorites almost, which is something new that we haven't heard of just yet. We knew he wanted to throw the ball. We knew he didn't want to get hit every time he dropped back, but we didn't know he had issues with the coaching staff. And that's important because Pete Carroll obviously just signed last year, a new five-year extension. He's not a nice 69 years old. He's the oldest coach in the NFL. So if this man is going to be around at least through the 2025 season, like his contract entails, then of course Russ, Russ wants to get away from that because that means he'll be tied to Carroll for his entire career. Uh, I know the recent Schefter report said that Wilson hasn't demanded a trade, but it still seems like a very passive-aggressive trade, one that his agent made. Even the fact that he listed, I'll let Pat and Diddy take this one over, but the fact he listed the four teams that he would like to go to tells you that, hey, I'll wave for these four teams, thus I'll take a trade. I want to play here, yes, but I'll gladly go somewhere else if this continues to be the case around this organization. So right now, although they could work some things out, it's a long offseason, it just seems like we're at the pinnacle of what is fracturing this team right now yeah like this is a real like if i requested it uh trade request uh <laughs> you know like the, a ghost written trade request by russell wilson uh because it is a trade request uh, yes. if you have a no trade clause and you publicly go on the record of the teams you would accept a trade to uh, that is a trade request so russell wilson has requested a trade and it's just kind of weird that this has been the breaking point because it seemed like they actually did try to accommodate Russell Wilson at times in 2020. As we know, we got more of the offense we've dreamed about forever. And then it went off the rails midseason. He had that midseason interception interceptions binge. And then like he seemed to kind of lose his confidence and the coaching staff seemed to lose their confidence in like the new Seahawks approach. And as we know, the second half of the season, they like retreated fully into their shell and were nowhere close to the passing offense they were in the first half of 2020. And well, this kind of just really seems like to me, because it's surprising, like the 2020 was like the breaking point for this relationship, for this this marriage, because, um, you know, Russell's had like, years where he could have been upset and done this kind of thing. And he never did. He was always the good soldier, the good teammate. And what it really seems like to me is it's kind of like, you know, if you're in a, like a, a rock and roll band or something where, you know, you make albums, you make hits for like eight to 10 years, but it seems like you just inevitably start to hate each other. And like, it's very rare for a coach and a quarterback to be together this long. And maybe it's just like Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy were in green Bay where it's not any one thing. It's not even like the seemingly big thing from last year. It's just the accumulation of like a decade's worth of baggage. And maybe if Pete Carroll had retired two or three years ago, uh, Russell was, this obviously probably wouldn't be coming up, but it just seems like the accumulation of like a decade of baggage. And then maybe they have to go their separate. It's very real too. Like, we we're not we can't debate like if this is real or not. This is like clearly very real, and a trade is a very very real possibility. Yeah, you know, uh, naming four teams that you wouldn't mind going to, 
I mean, it's a little like, and stick with me here, because I think maybe this is a little bit of a reach, but it's a little bit like telling your wife, look, I would never, you know, stray. <laughs> but if I did stray, here are four friends that I would stray. Here are four of your friends that I would stray with. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just naming them. Okay. You're, you're, you're upset. Why are you crying? You know, that, that sort of thing. And then, and, you know, Seahawks fans obviously are crying over this. Um, I think what's happened is that Russell Wilson has reached a certain age. You know, he's going to be 33 in November. You know, he's looking at the prospect of spending, I think, like Matt said, his whole career uh, under uh, Pete Carroll. And he knows that what he has, what, maybe three or four seasons in his prime left, unless he's a Brady type who's going to play forever and ever. Uh, but realistically, you know, he, he knows what's going to happen. And I think that, you know, he's in person, like he personally, he's in win now must win mode. And whether that's in Seattle or whether that's in amazingly Chicago or elsewhere, uh, San Francisco, he wants that done. So I, I agree. I agree with Pat in, in that this seems way more realistic than it did, you know, two, three, four weeks ago. By the way, them shutting down Let Russ Cook over that midseason interception binge feels like just one of the all-time overreactions. I mean, it was seven picks in four games. Mitchell Trubisky and James Winston think that's fine. It's <laughs> it's not a big deal. I feel like they really just pivoted hard for no good reason. They did. I felt like maybe it had something to do with Russell, too. Like It seemed like the whole group kind of collectively lost faith in what they were doing. And maybe Russ wanted to get back on that track, but... Like, where the first half of the season, they finally seemed unified in their approach. It seemed like on yeah, the second half of the season, there was no agreement on what the offense should look like. And it was essentially unwatchable in the second half of the season. And there's no doubt that was probably like the straw that broke the camel's back. I will, I will say of the four teams, it is almost like despite playing in the NFL for a decade now, it's like Russell Wilson stopped watching the NFL in the 90s. Uh, when your four teams are the Raiders, Cowboys, Bears, and Saints. Uh, so very eclectic uh, group of teams. There was a stretch there midseason as well where he went five games leading the league in quarterback hit. So clearly tired of getting pummeled in that stretch as well. But overall, if you can imagine a team without Russell Wilson, I understand they'll get a quarterback back in return, perhaps to a, um, maybe if, if it is Dallas, a, a Dak sign and trade tag and trade deal but can you imagine a life in seattle without russell wilson like as much as i love dk metcalf tyler lock and a few other players they have they go to the playoffs every year because of russell wilson like they are not supposed to they're not an organization built to compete and yet russ defies that and makes them compete annually is there backup still geno smith by the way he's not <laughs> I <believe> so. uh, <laughs> is he a free agent if not he is so i believe Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was talking with Rich Rebar on, on Twitter today about Way to name drop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know former sports edger as well. <laughs> he is right. A famous edger, if I remember it correctly. And, and he, uh, uh, he said, you know, if we get a Russell Wilson to Miami thing, and I know that's that he, Miami was not among the teams, right. That he named. N- not yet. Yet. Okay. First so, off, he hasn't requested a trade, yeah. guys. Yeah, well, yeah, he did not. He <laughs> if did not. I requested a trade, here's how I I would do it. Here, yeah. here, here are the four teams I would love to go to if I were to request a trade. <laughs> so yeah, I, we, you know, and, and Rich was saying, what happens to DK Metcalf? Like if he went to Miami, say, and it was a, a trade involving Tua, you know, fantasy wise, it's, it's just a debacle for for a guy like Metcalf and Lockett, obviously. I believe Robert May said Russell Wilson requesting to be traded to the Bears is the third best Bears quarterback of all time. <laughs> he did. And, uh, definitely the highest quality tweet of the week so far. 
By the way, I checked in. Russell Wilson's backup is actually Dave Craig. I was surprised, but he's still. <laughs> it's been so long since a backup took a snap in Seattle. No, it is, it is Geno Smith, actually. It's Charlie it Whitehurst. Oh. Wow, that's a throwback. Today's next topic, I believe, is entitled Give Me a Break. And I think this was the brainchild of John Daigle. Daigle, do you want to uh, do you want to break this down for us? It's just your typical off-season topic episode. Uh, it's one we did the past couple of years, I believe, last year for sure. And because it falls in the middle of franchise tags, the new league year starting, but also after the coaching change wave, like we've discussed all the all everything we need to to this point um, at the beginning of episodes. And so now we have this love just the space with a couple episodes here after the draft one that was earlier this week where hey there's not much to talk about until franchise tags start coming down harder uh what do we do so here it is what are we tired of guys give me a break from something and i think we all have interesting topics at least to yell at one another about for sure i i can start all right i'm gonna start with non-football okay and and i i don't know you know how the rest of us feel about this topic but nba top shot is something that I would like a break from. I am not participating in it, okay? Uh, but it has uh, taken over my entire Twitter timeline now for weeks. And football Twitter and all, pretty much all of sports Twitter has transformed into one solid entity we're going to call NBA Top Shot Twitter where nothing uh, escapes the vacuum of Top Shot. It cannot. Everything that happens, it has to be related to NBA Top Shot. What is, what is NBA Top Shot, you may be asking? I would say Google that uh, and then spend eight to 10 hours for the next week studying what it is before you invest any money. Um, but uh, it is it is really, I don't know, is, does, do, do, are, are people as sick of this as I am? I, I swear I'm not making this up for the podcast or anything. I had a dream last night where... Someone was knocking on my front door, like really hard and incessantly. And I went and I opened the door and it was a guy who resembled Pete Overzet. Now it wasn't Pete, but it resembled, it was like a dream Pete Overzet saying, when packs, when packs, M- meaning the, the packs that, that mm-hmm. drop on the site and people buy them. So I'm having when packs dreams because of Top Shot Twitter. Danny, can you explain this, how you would explain it? Like the two cents thing, if like, a time traveler appeared or like you're trying to explain this to someone 20 years from now, what happened? What, what are we doing? What have we been doing? Like give what a quick we, synopsis, explain it. Cause it, it's, it's kind of we weird if you just it put it into is. words. Yeah. All right. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So Most of our audience probably knows, but we yeah. want to hear the Denny explanation anyway. It's a marketplace in which people can buy video highlights and then sell them for a profit, NBA video highlights, and sell them for a profit. And these are called moments. And it's a it's the first and only marketplace in which no one can lose, which is good. I think that's awesome that everybody makes all the money. You know, and people are absolutely out of their minds with getting in the queue to get more cards to sell them for unbelievable profits. Okay. 100 percent profit every time. Just turn it over, over and over and over. It's like you know, the housing market around 2005 or six, but we're not, I, I, you know, maybe that's too much. Maybe that's too much for now. Well, I was going to say, as Peter Overzet said, uh, don't mention Beanie Babies. This is nothing like <laughs> the Beanie Baby bubble of the late 90s. Never, ever mention Beanie Babies. Although we do need, we need a, a, a mocking uh, 
slang word for top shot that is like a play on beanie baby words and uh i mean this is one of those things this is like achieved escape velocity like it's no longer just like dfs twitter like i was in a baseball mock draft last night where most of the entire chat centered around nba top shot so this is actually kind of exploding just beyond football twitter and dfs twitter and I do understand it, but I just don't like it or don't care. And unless I can get the moment, I want the moment of J.R. Smith um, thinking that the forgetting what the score was, the end of game one of the 2018 NBA finals. I will like NBA top shot if that becomes a moment and I can buy it. But uh, yeah, it's, it is like, it's, it's really like a lots of people I love and respect are really all in on this. But it is actually the first time I've ever considered muting a word on Twitter. I've never muted a word on Twitter. And uh, it's gotten a bit excessive, guys. That's all I'll say. So what's funny is that I've been in the streets, which surprised no one for a couple months now. Uh, but even I'm tired of the word because now it's become island game football Twitter, which is also the worst. I love football. I love talking to my friends about football. I do not like primetime Twitter football because then it just becomes a lots of wows or everyone hyperbolizing a moment. I hate it. And that's what this has become. Um, it's early. This is Top Shot is the craziest market we've ever seen in our lifetime. We need a clubhouse or a separate episode to truly talk about the blockchain and what is happening with Flow. I think it's a special because of the people that are investing into it, whether it be Mark Cuban or the Mavericks. The early, a later seed, if you just look recently, the NFLPA actually got into it. So I would imagine we get top touchdown or whatever the hell they're going to call it pretty soon, actually. So I think it is truly a big deal. But as a contrarian minded person, as with anything, when the herd goes one way, I immediately get sick of it and want to talk about something else. So that's why I hate it right now. I hate discussing it. If you want to actually like inform yourself and learn more about it and just become more intelligent about the subject, there are free discords. There are clubhouses every single night. Um, just hit me up on Twitter. I, I can let you into one. Um, so, But yeah, I would say that's the way you should go about it. Don't go to Twitter and just listen to somebody to spend your money because what they don't tell you is that it could fail. It could absolutely fail. That's something everyone should always mention is that there is no guarantee this thing works out. I believe it has the backing to work out, but again, that's just a belief. Of course it could fail. So if you actually do want to learn more about it, there are much better ways to do it than to just see your friends doing it and jump in line to do it. Having said that, like a GPP that you're never going to win. Maybe that's fun to you. And if so, who am I to say what's not fun? So go do that as well. There there are a lot of ways to go about it. But if you truly want to know more about it, sure. Um, Don't get on Twitter and listen to a lot of people. I'll say that. Yeah, I I mean, this is breaking news. I believe Daigle is saying that NBA Top Shot might not be a massive success forever. <laughs> it's, I think no, we're, it's we're frustrating, Diddy, because like it's, you joke, but like it's very true. Like no one, very rarely have I been in a conversation and someone says that it's going to fail. And of course it's fail. It's 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 currency built in the blockchain. Uh, it's not liquid yet. So of course it can fail. Um, Two things. Denny and I will now explain the blockchain, which we fully <laughs> understand um, and have understood for years. Um, and also, I mean, I don't do markets fail anymore though. We had like this, you know, like the worst year of like the American economy since like the great depression and like the Dow Jones is like an all time high. So maybe markets just don't fail anymore. I don't know. I think, I think there are smart people and good people putting their savings, not their, but like, let's say 30, 40% of their savings into it uh, because they're bored. Just like the housing market, the housing crisis, um, just like the CARES Act afterwards, we all have a little disposable income afterwards, which creates bubbles. And Mm -hmm. unlike, 
cardboard sports cards that are the hardest things in the world to get PSAs and get minted. Um, it's impossible. And then it takes weeks to months. Like this happens with Top Shot immediately. You can buy, you can sell, um, you can see the history because it's on the blockchain. Thus, it, it leaves a public ledger of data. You can follow everything, which is tremendous. But like I said, it is still perhaps a bubble. It is still all digital and crypto. So of course it can fail. That's what I would say. But there, but like I said, there are good people putting their money into it. And that's what concerns me because if Cuban misses out, he's not even going to notice. It's going to be a little dip in his wallet. He goes right back. But the people who have only saved up X amount um, for decades and then suddenly they dip into their 401k and that's now out, let's just say 5 to 10K, it's going to hurt them. And that's what concerns me about truly informing yourself about the issue. It's well said. All right. I'm going to follow up with mine because I think it's of equal importance. And I'm going to preface this by saying I love him very much, but I desperately need a break from the family dog. I don't know if any of you guys have <laughs> ever brought a dog into your relate to this one. <laughs> well, just imagine, okay, you're home during a pandemic and you bring a puppy home. And then that puppy turns out to be an absolute behemoth. He is seven months and like 60 pounds. I think he's gaining like Mistake. multiple pounds. He's huge. And he grows more, like more enormous and powerful every day. He powers down dog gates. He eats socks. He's just, he's an absolute, he, he tackled my four-year-old on the lawn the other day. Like he's just, he's a monster. I love the dog. We're going to keep him. I just, I need to get away for a week. I need a break. I think that's the definition of give me a break. Give me a break from the dog. I just want a week. That's all I'm asking. If you guys can help make that happen. All right. All right. I I, I can relate to this a little bit, but not much. And I'll tell you why. I brought home a, a dog as well during the pandemic. Uh, only my dog is extremely small and will not grow more than like eight or nine pounds. Okay. Oh, right. Low T, low T dog, low T owner. <laughs> and, <laughs> low and, T dog owner. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, a, I don't even know what it's called. Some sort of French breed. I'm sorry to the, what a surprise. Denny gets a French dog. <laughs> it's a socialist dog. It's a, um, you know, uh, a cotton something. I, I I don't know. But anyway, it's hypoallergenic. My kids are allergic. So I, we had to get it. Uh, so I can relate to, to this part though. I am a little bit tired of him circling my feet constantly, never ending. So I, I get that a little bit, but I don't get the part about being a behemoth. I, I just can't relate. You bought wisely. The guy in a cashmere sweater, of course, got a French dog. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the sweater. I should ever. Uh, All right, Pat. You don't have a dog, right? You just have children running around. I don't have a dog. I just have three children, one of whom uh, has been doing dog-like things this week, getting hurt and having to go to the doctor. Uh, My two-year-old son was pulling my four-year-old daughter was sprawled out across a heavy wooden chair, and he was pulling her and pulled the chair with all of its weight down right onto the fat part of his foot, and. Appeared to have a fractured foot, but he thankfully does not. See, my kids, they bring the dog energy sometimes. Uh, yeah. Breaking things, uh, breaking themselves. So, yeah, lots of dog energy on the podcast. My kids are getting progressively more aggressive inside the house, like, with their with their antics. The climbing of furniture is escalating, like, exponentially. <laughs> what oh. Matt is trying to say is that he is becoming the Joker. They're evolving. <laughs> Matt, how old are the kids? The kids are seven and four. Do they watch wrestling? They don't watch wrestling. They watch NBA basketball they, and kids shows. That's about the extent of it. 
But no, they don't. They don't really know about wrestling. I think that that would open up a whole pathway in their mind that I, oh, yeah. I don't need to open. It's already open. You know what I mean? They already think, have the instinct. I think children truly evolved if they watch wrestling and then discover <laughs> the furniture how it can actually be turnbuckle. Yeah, we, uh, we don't. We don't watch wrestling, but we do wrestle. I have a four year old and an eight year old, so almost the same age. And um, I I consider myself somewhat of an expert at at making sure the kids don't get hurt while we're wrestling because I come from a house in which my dad would would do the same for me and my brother you know very rigorous but uh, no one got severely hurt because my dad knew how to control the situation so i I learned from him i have applied it here and then it backfired on me the other night when i caught a brutal knee to the jaw i'm talking out of nowhere i didn't even know where my son was and usually i have great yeah i have great awareness and my son comes flying, literally flying out of nowhere, and I get that knee wow. in my jaw. I thought I was knocked out. I mean, I, I went down. I was like, oh, "What?" I've, you know, like I just got like punched by by Tyson or something. It was it was horrible. So it, it, keep them away from wrestling if you can. The, my greatest summer ever. Uh, I lived at Silver for a summer. I traveled Paris for a summer. My most fun summer ever was when my parents took a vacation for a month and left me home alone. To watch my sister i believe i was 12 what? uh don't don't wow. ask questions here <laughs> also it was a different time, time it was a different time it was a different era different time for sure <laughs> also at the time the house was being renovated so everything was empty and so all they had in there was a ladder and couch pillows and the title matches we had in the living room with a high ceiling let Oof. me tell you it was incredible Wow. wow. And you're still yeah. alive somehow, which is amazing. You are still alive. It actually is amazing, yes. Around the same time, I got left home a lot. I think I was a little older, maybe 13 or 14. And uh, my dog bit my lip. And my lip was like dangling off. And uh, and instead of calling like 911 or anything, I just like waited for my mom to get home like five hours later. And she was like totally aghast. And basically what I'm saying, this could have happened to you, John, but uh, it didn't. And, but instead I became four-time summer champion of Dallas, Texas. So. <laughs> and I went to the ER. <laughs> yeah. One second. Diego, you're a wrestling champion? I didn't know this. The, well, the four-time summer champion of Dallas, Texas, when my friends came over and I won the ladder matches in the renovated yeah. home. <laughs> living room. Living room champ. Not really a wrestling champion, though. No. I'm that like, is the, wait. What? That is the dream, okay. though, Diddy. Not to okay. be rich, not to uh, not to retire off top shot. The dream is to be a wrestling champion one day. There you go. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
Uh, Pat, go with the football one. Change us up a little. I was going to go with the non-football one, but I will go with the football one now. And listen, I have nothing against family businesses. Family businesses are like actually like the backbone of the American economy. Something evil is about to happen. but, But the NFL is not a family business. And, you know, it makes sense. You can't hate on like every like son in the NFL getting jobs. Some of them are clearly worthy. Like who's going to learn better from Bill Belichick or Mike Shanahan than their sons. So I'm not saying there should be no sons on NFL coaching staffs. They should never get a shot, but like the nepotism, I felt like finally kind of got like a little out of control this off season. When, when Clint Kubiak, who spells his name with a K uh, became the Vikings <laughs> offensive coordinator for some reason, that just kind of set me over the edge. Like, is Clint with a K really the best guy for this job in Minnesota? And we're talking about in the league, how can we get in a league where it's driven by minorities, like the backbone in the NFL? And, of course, though, every coaching staff still so lacking in minority representation, you know, like this egregiously so. Like, how can we better uh, get this representation in there? And, like, maybe it's not hiring every last son to important positions and we've got to get better at this. And like Clint Kubiak could be a very good NFL coach, but yeah, like the sun, like it's not, it, there needs to be some reigning in of the suns basically in the NFL, because uh, it just feels like every single coaching staff now has like multiple suns. And I think we can be doing better. To your point, the past two years, nine to the league's 32 head coaches were either the son or father of a current or former NFL head coach coordinator or position coach and on that same spectrum 63 of the league's coaches were related to each other either biologically or through marriage and 53 of those were related to coaches who are white and sadly that is the least shocking thing i know about the nfl uh we know the cronyism and nepotism goes all the way to the top it's the issue that's happening right now with the Texans organization where no one's trying to win. Everyone just wants to be friends and make millions of dollars with their buddies, despite the product on the field that continues to decay. So, yes, it is clearly a major, major issue. And I'm glad Clint Kubiak showed you the light. <laughs> it's like, yeah. listen, I'm not saying we should even have a sun free NFL because, of course, Steve Belichick is going to get like unique insight and like a learning experience from when you're literally when your dad is literally the greatest football coach of all time. But it's clearly something we need to be working better on. Like there needs to be some some sort of process where we're not just allowed to funnel every one of your sons, every one of your son-in-laws, every one of your cousins into like every coaching internship that opens. And it needs to be addressed somehow. So, yeah. One thing no one is talking about with this situation is that maybe understanding of football and football knowledge is genetic, and we just don't know. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> you know, you you have to be born of an offensive coordinator in order to understand offense. I, you know, that's just one theory that I've, I've come up with, but no, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's um, I had a tweet a few weeks ago. I know you'll be shocked to know that I had a tweet about something, but I'm barely exaggerating. I said, the NFL is just 19 guys and their sons like, like that, you know, like that's, that's kind of, and, and it was like, it would like the replies were like, yeah, actually that sounds about right. It's like 1920 guys. And then, their sons and then their sons after them. Uh, and yeah, it, it gets a little gross. It's like, uh, you know, more incestuous than, you know, uh, British Royal family at this point. And the, the, no offense to the Brits, but. 
I believe this is an early Freakonomics episode, how most family businesses trickle down, of course, just to keep it in the blood. But if you were to, and it logically, it makes sense. If you were to actually like put out resumes or hire the best individual, clearly it would not be the person who is simply just related to the top person. Well, sometimes a family business is a family business. It's by definition a family. The NFL. I probably said that wrong. Like not small family businesses. I I mean, you know, larger corporations who it goes on, like Game of Thrones, how the heir to the throne goes to, you know, it's supposed to go to Sam Tolley, but instead he casts him away. Yeah, like that. Because yeah, the NFL is not supposed to be a family (laughs) business. It's the biggest sports league in the entire world, and it can't be run like a family business. True. Perhaps this transitions into mine, actually, Pat, because. We saw this on social media, and that's the issue right now, is that I need a break from off-season social media. It's driving me absolutely mad. Uh, I would like to learn things, and I've taken suggestions. I've tried curating my feed into more lists. That way I can go to the right people and see the right information. But the fact is, I still know 90% of what's going to happen. No offense, Denny. And it's that I'm just going to log in. It's going to be algorithmic. It's going to be scientifically curated to say something like, when X turns into X and then it's a gif underneath and I just can't take it. It drives me crazy knowing exactly what everyone's going to do anytime we have pertinent news to discuss and hear about. And I think I'm going slowly going mad, honestly. You need to get on the Nick Minzio diet, which is just like not Nick just like stops tweeting in late December. And then like he starts tweeting and sort of in like June and uh, Denny obviously can never stop tweeting, except for when he never. does those self-imposed exiles. But I don't think you can even do that anymore now that you work for I can't. Sports <laughs> yeah, I can't. You have to keep your roto active. The only thing that can get me to from stop tweeting is moving, my four-week move. Uh, the tweets have really dwindled during yeah. my six-month move. I've been worried about you over the past <laughs> 17 days. I, I'm, you know, I mean, like tweeting is really proof of life. Uh, now is. and when I don't see you online, and I'm like, should I text Pat and make sure everything's okay? <laughs> Diggle, I, I I totally get it. Twitter has completely broken my brain. But the thing about uh, a website that breaks your brain is that your brain wants more of it, and then and then it, it forces you to keep going back to the well, hoping that it'll spark some joy. And it's not; it's a joy killer. The the website is a joy killer. It makes you dread, uh, you know, more than anything, uh, dread the world, dread life. And, but you know what? I'll never log off. <laughs> <laughs> and not to bully on little old Twitter because, you know, you log into Facebook and I'm sure we all have relatives that scream to the ether in the comments under articles. So that exists. And then I see that and it's like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. And then you get on Instagram. It's just people showing off their abs. And it's like, well, I'll never have that. And so you get off that and then you just don't know what to do anymore. So I think I found the cure. I think uh, I've enjoyed liking articles throughout the day that I see. And then I'll go back in without anyone bothering me late at night or early in the morning because I wake up typically early and then I'll read them all. And that seems like it's been healthier than just doom scrolling into existence. Yeah, I think I need a break, guys. Yeah, I'm going to defend John just kind of hinted a, a Twitter, an underused Twitter feature, which is the bookmark. So I use the liking function to like acknowledge tweets at me. Some people use it to like actually bookmark things, but there is the actual bookmark feature on Twitter. And uh, John basically sounds like he does something similar. You should use the bookmark feature on Twitter. Is never seen that. I didn't even know it. Listen, yeah, like, I don't think when that's they start real. adding upgrades. It's far beyond my capabilities, and it's not public. So you know, every so like uh, you can you can bookmark this article. Someone doesn't need to know you're reading like Top Shot for Beginners, and uh, like Rotopat knows about Top Shot. <laughs> 
that artist. So yeah. Denny's eyes got really wide. So I'm assuming he also has never heard of the bookmark feature. I've never heard of this. I have not. I spend most of my waking ex- existence on that site and I and I never heard of it. Also, people act like you, they can't like other people can't see your likes. People can see your likes. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a disaster. Sometimes it's horrifying. In fact, I think that you know the way, best way to learn about a person is to actually just look at look at their likes on Twitter. If you looked at my likes, it's just all basically. If you tweet at me, I will like it to acknowledge it. Um, so that's the way I use the like feature, which I have like. Yeah. So it became like useless for me because I have like fifty thousand likes. So I can't ever find anything if yeah. I need it. it it's like a it's like a high five. It's like a high five. Yeah. Hey man, hey thanks man, thanks. Hey, if nice. you I'm look at my likes right now, you'll see that I'm trying to run away to another country as soon as possible. <laughs> Cheery. All right. I just want to say yesterday, we had a little text chain going about this topic and you guys were like, oh, I'm, I think I might talk about this. And I said, I'll take beer. And the explosion that happened was, it scared me for a second. I was like, oh, what did I do? But my feeling is during football season on football Sundays, I'm watching football in a backyard or something. Sometimes I, I have a few beers. I felt in that moment like I needed a break. You know, football season's over. Maybe I could take a break from beer. Uh, but now you guys talked me out of it, so I'm not going to do it. So I'm bailing on that one. I am going to take a break from the dog. I'm not taking a break from beer. I think what Matt is hitting on a little bit, it is a little sad as an adult, like how many activities that are fun without alcohol just become fully synonymous with alcohol and you like never don't drink during them. And uh, that we could probably have fewer events that were like alcohol related or alcohol Tan, tangent. I have no time to worry. Anyways, uh, we turn too many events that are fun without alcohol into events that must feature alcohol. Uh, but it's too late. That uh, that cat has been out of the bag. I think since uh, before the birth of Christ, they've been making beer, like going all the way back yeah. to like the ancient Persian days. They called it mead. Yeah, mead. Exactly the good old mead. Um, so yeah, there's you're basically screwed, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to shame you out of that. You know, I think it's uh, it's it's a worthy thing. I know I would drop like 25 pounds if I stopped if I stopped drinking beer tomorrow. Uh, so I, I know that, that health wise, it's it's probably best if I if I stop. But like Twitter, I you know I'll I'll never here are two things I'll never stop doing. I'll never log off and I'll never stop drinking. Those are two things. <laughs> uh, do you purchase? I guess you don't participate in Dry January then. I, 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 I and Denny. I don't know. <laughs> I I dry Tuesday, dry Tuesday, and sometimes dry Thursday. Twenty four hours. It's really helpful. Yeah, dry Tuesday afternoon to Wednesday afternoon. Uh, drink, yeah. pick up wine. I'll say that. That's what I do. Pick up wine. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Anything to promote for anyone before we leave? Hit it. I have. Uh, uh, just a just a meaty kicker column on on really uh, nice. on NBC Sports Edge. Uh, check it out. It went up today. Nice. It talks about fourth down uh, strategy, aggressiveness, and how that impacted kickers in 2020. It features Mason Crosby and Greg Zerline. Danny, I didn't want to do this on the podcast, but uh, you're fired. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Monday or Tuesday, my best ball tiers start running pre-free agency best ball tiers. So they'll be up there. Check out my season's review article that came out next last week. I've got a few article ideas in my head that might be coming out soon, but I don't want to announce them on the podcast and then get messaged immediately after the that's podcast. That's not really, yeah. that's not really helpful, Pat. Yeah, I got so, a few ideas in my head. Check them check out. out. I have an evergreen article, 2020 seasons in review that came out last week, right? Recap every team's 2020 season. And Hayden's off-season previews are still going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Those are banging. Yeah. Check them mm-hmm. out. 
He's the only one really working right now. Yeah, he's the only. Yeah, he's a well, zoomer. I'm sorry. Denny, Denny wrote a kicker call. Come yeah. on, <laughs> meaty, meaty. All right, Daigle, Pat, Denny. Thanks, guys. Thanks all of you for listening. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.